0: Zechariah chapter 1 verse 18 as we expose it to chapter 2 verse 13 if you're new to the bible the book of Zechariah is the second to the last book of the old testament and if you've gone to Matthew you've gone too far so flip a few pages back it's after the book of Haggai and before the book of Malachi the book of Zechariah all right now let me begin with a story this morning It's a story of a woman who, after a long illness, had died and arrived at the gates of heaven. Well, the gatekeeper came by, and the the man said to this woman, "Uh, Welcome to heaven. The woman said to him, This is such a wonderful place. How do I get in through those gates? The gatekeeper said to her, You have to spell a word. The woman asked the gatekeeper, Which word? The gatekeeper said, You must spell the word love. The woman correctly spelled love, L O V E, and the gatekeeper welcomed her into heaven. About six months later, the gatekeeper asked the woman to watch the gates of heaven while he had to go on another errand. While the woman was guarding the gates of heaven that day, her husband arrived. I'm surprised to see you, the woman said. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing pretty well since you died, her husband told her. In fact, I married the beautiful young nurse who took care of you while you were ill. And then I won the lottery, and I sold the little house you and I lived in all of our lives, and I bought a very big mansion. And with all of that money, my wife and I traveled all around the world. We were on vacation, and I went water skiing today. I fell, the ski hit my head, and here I am. By the way, how do I get in? The woman told her former husband, you have to spell a word. He said, which word? She replied, Czechoslovakia. (laughs) It's wonderful in our lives that our eternal destiny are in the hands of an unchanging God, instead of the hands of people who are quite subjective. As we continue our study in the book of Zechariah, we are reminded that the unchanging God invites his people to return to him, and he will return back to them. The unchanging God extends the same invitation to you and me who have wandered away. Return to me, and I will return to you. This invitation back then was given to a people who were very much in need of encouragement and hope. They had returned back to their homeland after being exiled for 70 years as a defeated nation and as a depressed people. So also this message is brought to our generation today, a people who are aimless, a people who are looking for hope. The unchanging God gives the prophet Zechariah eight night visions by which to encourage. His wayward people to return to him and we're going to be looking at the second and third visions this morning we want to see another reason why we should return to him and it is because he is our divine protector again turn with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 1 verse 18 the second vision begins in verse 18 of chapter 1 and continues all the way to chapter 1 verse 21 Verse 18 and 19. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these? So he answered me, These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. In this vision, Zechariah sees four animal horns. And the Bible tells us, according to the angel, they represent four enemies. Four enemies of Israel that have scattered them. Namely, perhaps Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. These are four nations that have conquered Israel. Verse 20, then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter them. The Bible tells us God calls four craftsmen, and they are called to smash these horns. Most likely, they are carrying hammers to smash these horns. These represent four kingdoms. That will conquer the four kingdoms who have oppressed Israel. Perhaps these four craftsmen are the Medo-Persian Empire, which conquered Babylon. The Greeks, which conquered Persia. The Roman Empire, which conquered Greece. Very similar to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, chapter 7. And then the Messiah, who will conquer all. Each of these kingdoms proceed to destroy the former one. Now, what does this simple vision tell us about our God? It tells us that while we may not know it, God, as our divine protector, is actively protecting, defending us from harm. And that's number one if you're taking notes. Our divine protector defends us from our enemies, the first biblical principle. I know it's a very simple principle. You've heard it before. But the problem is we understand it, but we don't really comprehend it and live it out. To understand that our divine protector, God himself, defends us from our enemies. He protects us. This is a world in which we feel very insecure. This is definitely not one of the safest countries in the world. There are kidnappings, and we may walk around in fear. But just as God sends the craftsmen to protect and seek justice for the Jewish people, so also he sends his angels to protect us, even though we may not be actively aware. I remember the story of Laurie Anderson, a missionary to the Kandoshi Sapra Indians of Peru. They were a terrible tribe in the sense that they were cannibals and head shrinkers. And one day, Lori was looking for a quiet place to do her daily quiet time to read the scriptures and to pray. And so she went by to the edge of the river where it was very serene and beautiful. After reading the Bible, she took up her prayer list and she closed her eyes as she began to pray for those on her list. But when she closed her eyes, she did not see the deadly anaconda snake weaving through the water until it struck her, bearing its fangs into her flesh it would drew to strike and hit her arm again and again while it began to coil its large body around hers as it continued to rear its death blows then suddenly this giant snake never known to release its prey relaxed its grip and slithered it off through the water lori rushed herself to the local hospital where she was treated for snake venom. While Lori was being treated in her room, a a witch doctor from a nearby village burst into her room and stared at her. She could not believe it. She couldn't believe that Lori had survived. She said that her son-in-law, also a witch doctor, had chanted to the spirit of the anaconda that morning and sent it to kill the young missionary. Lori replied in great peace. I am certain that except for the protection of God, it would have worked. My God is protecting me. It's a truth we often forget, a simple one, that my God protects me. Our divine protector defends us from those who seek to harm us. In a world where there is much uncertainty, especially here in the Philippines where we live, we need to realize this truth we needed to transform the way we live because of this fact the second vision establishes this truth the third vision would continue to expound upon it and see how it changes our outlook on life look at chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 then i raised my eyes and looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand so i said where are you going and He said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. In this third night vision, we see a man who goes out to measure Jerusalem, which is in the process of being rebuilt. But as he goes out to measure Jerusalem, its width and its length, something happens, verse 3 to verse 5. And there was the angel who talked with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him. Who said to him, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her and I will be the glory in her midst. This vision is looking forward to the greater restoration of the city of Jerusalem in the millennium. But notice as this young man is going out to measure Jerusalem, the angel tells him to stop. You don't need to measure the walls because Jerusalem will be a city without walls. Now that seems kind of strange. Here you've got a group of people who are trying to repair this city, rebuild it. And now you're to tell them, don't worry about it. In the future the city will have no walls. Now can you imagine how unsettling that information would be? Here are a people who are very anxious about their safety. And so they're quickly trying to rebuild the wall, knowing that if they don't, then the enemies could easily attack. In fact, in the back of their minds, some of them may be thinking, What's the use? It doesn't matter how large we build our wall empires will come and conquer us as they have done in the past and so their state of mind was one without peace but it is in this state of mind that the lord god sends his messenger to tell them the new jerusalem of the millennium will have no physical wall why and the verse five look because the lord himself will be their wall he will be a wall of fire And that should conjure up in them the image of the pillar of fire that protected them as they left Egypt in their wilderness wanderings. More than that, not only will the Lord be a wall of fire around them, the Bible says in verse 5, I will be the glory in their midst. God's glory, the Shekinah glory, the very presence of God would be in the city. He says you don't need to worry about the walls, the physical walls, because when I am in the center of the city... I will protect you. And the wall's defenses will never be breached because I will be a wall of fire around you. Can you imagine what great peace of mind this would have given them? The Lord will be our protector. We can rest well. We can have that great peace of mind. And here is the second principle, number two. Our divine protector gives us peace of mind. Our divine protector gives us peace of mind. When we recognize that God is our divine protector, it should give us great peace of mind. But unfortunately, that is not reality. Some of us think we need to walk around with bulletproof armor. Are any of you wearing bulletproof armor this morning? All right, probably not. Good. Some of us think we need a proverbial force field. Oh, if only I could have the power to have a force field around me. Nothing can affect me. Anyone have bodyguards here with them this morning? I need a bodyguard to protect me. I need an entourage because then when my entourage is with me, I will have peace of mind. The Bible says you don't need any of those. The fact that God is living in you And the person of the Holy Spirit should give you a great peace of mind. In our Christian life, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He resides in our hearts. He protects us. And so we don't need to worry. You know, I've met a lot of people. They're so afraid of life. They are afraid of leaving the home. They are afraid of going to the malls. They're afraid of going to this part of town They're afraid of stepping out of their homes. They're afraid of what they eat They're so fearful in fact that they worry for their kids They worry about their kids and where they're going And they worry about how their kids will grow up and they worry about where their kids will go And they worry about the time of the day where their kids are out And in fact, they worry so much they worry about grandkids. They don't even have They worry about grandkids and when they will get married and who they will marry. They're not even born yet. And they will worry whether they have enough money to give to their grandkids. And not only that, they worry about their friends, their loved ones, living in another part of the world. And maybe it has nothing to do with that part of the world, but when something happens, they quickly call them, Are you okay? And that friend wants to say, I live 3,000 miles away from what that happened. They're worried. There are people like that. Christians. Can you imagine what the world must think when they meet people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ who are worried? They must wonder. Your God must be really small. Your God must not protect you. You see, when we understand that our divine protector gives us Peace of mind. It really should. I want you to walk away this morning, having the best sleep of your life tonight. Not right now. I said tonight. The best sleep of your life tonight. Because some of you are tossing and turning, worried about what the future holds, worry about people who are antagonize you. God says, I am your protector. I will be a wall of fire. I will be in your midst. What have you to worry about? And so you don't need to wear those good luck charms or those amulets or those pieces of paper that some of you carry because you've been told that this will give you protection. Throw those away. You put your trust in the one who says, when I am in your midst, the walls will not be breached. Our divine protector gives us a great peace of mind. I'm reminded of the early American, Native American Indians that had a unique practice of training their young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, upon learning hunting and scouting skills and how to fish, that young 13-year-old brave was put to one final test. He was placed in a very dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from home, away from the security of his family and of the tribe. But on that night, he would be blindfolded, taken several miles away. Then after a few moments, was instructed to remove the blindfold. When he takes off his blindfold, he is now in the middle of a thick wooded forest. And he would be terrified. Every twig that snapped, he would visualize a young animal ready to pounce upon him. Every noise, he wondered what in the world that was. After what would seem like an eternity to him, dawn would break and the first rays of the sunlight would enter the interior of the forest. But Looking around, the boy would see only flowers and trees and the outline of a path But then to his utter amazement, that boy would always see the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It would be his father. He had been there all night long. Some of us are like that young brave. Life is coasting, going well. And then we're put into a very difficult situation where it seems like the blindfolds have been put on our eyes. And then suddenly we take them off and we're in the middle of nowhere, all alone. And we get scared and we begin to panic. And everything that happens begins to scare us. And we think the world is coming to an end. But what we don't realize is that there's a heavenly father who watches over us. The Bible tells us he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He tells us, you rest because I never sleep. He's there with more than just a bow and arrow. He is the Almighty God, is our divine protector, and he says, "Relax. Have the peace that passes all understanding. When you acknowledge me as a divine protector, you can have great peace of mind." Verse 6 to 9. Up, up. Flee from the land of the north," says the Lord. For I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Up, Zion, escape, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoils for their servants then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. What Zechariah was doing here in verses 6 and 9 is that he is sending a message to those who were still living in Babylon. You see, when the Jewish people were allowed to return home after the Persians conquered the Babylonians, many went back home to the promised land. But many also chose to say, why did they stay? Perhaps some of them thought, you know what? I've lived here 70 years. I'm content here. Yes, I am under bondage, but life is good here. I feel very secure here. And we know that many stayed if you read the book of Daniel and the book of Esther. But here, Zechariah calls out to them and he says, leave from that land. You may think you are secure there. But God is going to punish that land through the coming Messiah. Why? Verse 8 Because the Babylonians have touched the apple of his eye. In the English idiom, we often use that. You are the apple of my eye. It comes straight out of the scriptures. When you tell someone you are the apple of my eye, we are telling them you are someone who is especially loved, you are one of a kind. You're one whom I will protect. In the same figure, the Bible tells us the apple, literally the opening, the gates of the eyes of God is a part that is often most easily injured, the most demanding of protection. And if anyone touches that, then God will move. You see, here it symbolizes Israel under God's protective care. But because the Babylonians have touched the apple of God's eye, then God will react. Because God guards those he loves. And my friends, God loves you very much. You are the apple of his eye. And if anyone disturbs you and everyone touches you, if the evil one decides to bother you, then he is disturbed because he loves us deeply. And so when we place our trust, when we look for one who protects us, then we look for one who loves us. And that's number three, if you're taking notes. Our divine protector guards those he loves. Our divine protector guards those he loves. We place our trust in the person who is shown unchanging love. Who demonstrates, the Bible says, his own love in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us you see my friends unless you know that the person you trust to protect you loves you then you can never really fully trust them for example if you could afford a bodyguard i'm sure you would have one and let's say for example sake you have a bodyguard and if i were to ask you wow that's great you have a bodyguard do you trust that bodyguard you say sure i say why You would tell me because I pay him a salary. Sure, he will protect me. But then I may mess with your mind and I would say something like this. What if somebody pays him more to hurt you? That makes you wonder, right? And so you may want to pay him a little bit more. But I'm sure someone who doesn't like you could still pay him a little bit more than you. Unless that bodyguard so loves you that regardless of the price you are paying him, he will take a bullet for you, then you really can't fully trust him. Did you know that uh, when the Secret Service protects the American president, unlike the movies, the president is never left alone with one Secret Service agent. They have to have that in the movies because someone paid off the secret service agent and then he takes over the white house but every time it comes in multiples of two why because if one agent is compromised is bought off then you have others they could have sworn that they will take a bullet for the president but here's what i want you to understand the security of your protection is directly proportional to the one who is protecting you And how much he loves you. Did you get that? Let me repeat it. The security of your protection. How protected you are. Is directly proportional to the one who protects you. And how much he loves you. There is one who loves you with an unconditional love. One who has died in your place. One who gave up his only begotten son because he values you so much, would you ever wonder why God the Father would ever stop protecting you? Our divine protector guards those he loves. Some years ago, I read an account that went something like this there was a group of scientists and botanists who were exploring a remote region in the European Alps, they were in search for a new species of flowers. One day they noticed through binoculars a a flower of such rarity and beauty that they just had to get it because it would hold such invaluable contributions to science. But unfortunately that flower lay in a very deep ravine with cliffs on both sides and I guess they were too big to get down that narrow ravine. To get to that flower, someone had to be lowered over the cliff on a rope. Well, they couldn't do it, but they needed that flower, and so they noticed that there was a curious little boy that was watching nearby, and they called him over, and the scientists told him that they would pay him well if he would agree to be lowered over the cliff to retrieve the flower below. The boy took a long look down the steep and dizzying depths, and he said to the scientists, I'll be back in a minute. A short time later, he returned, followed by a gray-haired man. Approaching the scientist, the boy said, I'll go over that cliff and get that flower for you if this man holds the rope. They looked at him, and they said, We're stronger than this man. We could have held the rope for you. But that young boy said to them, But this man is my father. This boy knew that he could trust a father who loved him. And he knew that his father would protect him at all costs. In the same way, we can know that God will protect us because he loves us with an unchanging, unconditional love. Understand that truth. It will transform the way you live. Verse 10 to 12. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall become my people, and I will dwell in your midst. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. The promise of God in these prophetic words... It's for the restoration of Israel and Jerusalem to make things right again. When this will be happen is at the second coming of Christ. But there's a principle here at work. God tells them, at the end, whatever you've gone through, whether hardship or suffering, whether you may think that God has been there or not, whether he's actively involved in your mind or not, The fact is, God has been defending, God will restore, and God will make things all right. Note all of the personal pronouns there. I am coming. I will dwell in your midst. I will dwell in your midst. I will take possession of Judah. I will again choose Jerusalem. I, the Lord God, will make things right. Number four. Our divine protector will make things right. You see, sometimes we have the notion that protection is passive. And there's God, arms folded, standing there protecting us. And if anything gets through, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Next one, I'll protect. We think that God is very passive. That's, that's in our mind what a protector does. They wait for the aggressor and they just defend. But that's a wrong perspective. Because God is not only passive, He is active. You see, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate calling of a protector, is to give the assurance that everything will be all right. If you've seen those TV shows, usually like a, like a mob show, uh, the mob has this henchman, and there's a problem. What do the henchman say? Boss, I'll take care of it. I'll deal with it. I'll get rid of your problem. Now, I'm not equating God with a henchman. Please don't get that notion wrong. But the point is this. When we have one who protects us. He doesn't passively stand back. He actively makes things right. And that's the promise of God. God says, I will restore this city. I will make things right. I will rid this nation of its enemies. So he does in your life. God as our divine protector, makes things right. He will ensure that those who come to bother you will be dealt with in accordance with his will. Now, you may not believe it, but it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you think God can or cannot do. It doesn't even matter what you think you can do with your own powers. What matters is what God can do when things are in his hands. As our divine protector, we are placing our lives into the very hands of God, And in his hands, some amazing things happen. Let me share with you one of my favorite poems. It's a poem entitled, It Depends Whose Hands It's In. And the poem goes something like this. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands, it's worth about $33 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A tennis racket is useless in my hands. A tennis racket in Roger Federer's hands is a Wimbledon championship. It depends whose hands it's in. A staff in my hands will keep away a wild animal. A staff in Moses' hands will part the mighty sea. It depends whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. A slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. It depends whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish sandwiches. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousands. It depends whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Jesus Christ's hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It depends whose hands it's in. As you see now, it depends whose hands it's in. So put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your families, and your relationship in God's hands because it depends whose hands it's in. Isn't that great? Our lives, the situation in which we live in, are in the hands of God. And in the hands of God, the divine protector says, I'll take care of it. I'll make things all right. Just as he promises the people of Israel, so also he promises us. Finally, verse 13. Love this verse. have it underlined in my Bible. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. Be silent before the Lord. Whenever we feel like we're in need of protection, the Bible says the human race is to bow down in silence and awe before the mighty God. Why? Because when the apple of his eye is touched, he is aroused from his holy habitation. It doesn't mean he's been sleeping. But it's the visual image that God will not remain inactive. When the apple of his eye is touched, he moves. And he moves in a mighty way. When the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, drawing in the Americans into the World War in the Pacific Theater, one of the Japanese generals remarked, this famous line, we have now awakened the sleeping giant. It was because of America's entry into the Pacific Theater that the Japanese empire was defeated. The very same way, when we, the people God loves very much, are being bothered, he is aroused from his holy habitation. Our God is very much awake he is alive. With that truth in mind, I really hope you have the best sleep of your life tonight. I end this message with an old Irish blessing. It's given to those who are leaving for an extended period of time. It has many verses in this blessing, of which I will only read one, one I think you know. The Irish blessing goes something like this. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Is he when I dismiss you this morning, I don't know if I'm going to see you next week. You don't know if you're going to see me next week. I may not be here. I will be, but you may not. Who, who knows? I can wish you goodbye. Enjoy your week. And then something happens. I can say, good luck. Hope to see you next week. Be careful. Don't do anything Reckless, and I'll see you next week. But if I say words like that, it doesn't mean anything. Because I don't have control of your life. Neither do I have control of anyone else's life. Empty words. But I can say, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of His hand. Because in the palm of His hand, means that nothing can happen to you that God does not allow. In His hands, He is the wall of fire. He is in your midst. The walls will never be breached. You are in the hands of a God who loves you with an unconditional, unchanging love. What better place, Where better place to be in his hands you can rest well because he says I will take care of everything so my friends this morning as I bid you farewell for this week I bid you with the greeting of that old Irish blessing until we meet again may God hold you in the palm of his hand he is our divine protector let's pray Lord, it is good to be reminded from your word again of how often we take for granted the fact that you are there protecting us. We, we acknowledge in our head that you do, but the worries and the anxieties of how we express it in life belies the fact we don't really believe it. I pray for that each person here this morning would depart from this place with great joy with that full assurance knowing that we live under your care. That every night, every problem that we have, every burden we bear, laid before the burden bearer, will elicit in our lives a joy that the world will see and wonder where that joy comes from. Father, I pray for those who are going through times of great difficulties, that again, you would remind them that the divine protector does indeed protect us. Bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.